is a Woodside Church podcast. Okay, good morning everyone. Morning. morning. It's so nice to see so many faces. It feels great to be here. There's loads of you, which is really exciting. Um, specifically for those who were at Great Denham last week and coincidentally came again this week. I'm glad you enjoyed my talk so much. You want to hear it twice? Thank you very much. That's the biggest compliment. Um, perhaps you didn't quite realize what was happening, but that's quite unfortunate for you. Um, I wasn't here last week, but I trust you had a great time. I have listened to the talk online. I say that about all of them, but I have this time listened to Martin's talk, speaking about friendship. And we're currently within a series of For the Love Of. So we're looking at different things or people we might love and trying to frame that well within the love of God to readjust almost our definition. You, we looked at, Debbie spoke about the love of God, Martin spoke about friends. Next week, we're looking at for the love of ourselves. But this week, we're looking at for the love of the church. The church gathered here today and scattered through Monday to Saturday. We're looking at for the love of the church. And I'm really excited. We're going to explore how we can gather together, serve one another, gain energy from being together, and then leave this building, re-energize for the week to grow the church and bring glory and love back to God. We're just looking at one big cycle, and it's going to be great. So we're going to be reading from Ephesians 4. This is kind of like our core text for the morning. So I'm going to read this out, and then we're going to pray together, and then we get going. It will be on the screen if you want to read along with us. It says, For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the church, to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then... We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Father, I thank you so much for our church and the church, that we are united in one body. And Lord, as we just explore what the church looks like when framed well in your love, would you just guide our hearts? Would we hear what you want us to hear? We want to be a community centered upon you, So, Lord, right now we just say, have your way. Have your way amongst us. Change us where we need changing. Lord, we want to do it all for you, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So that's our core passage this morning, and we're going to be basically, I'm going to be speaking to you about three main points. Okay, and the first point is that the church, when framed well in God's love, is beautiful. The church is beautiful. Okay? Now, in the passage we just read, we, we heard about the church, but it was actually referenced more so as one body. Let's talk about the unity amongst us. So the first thing to remember going through this talk is I might speak about the church or I might say one body. They are the same thing. The other thing in the Bible, though, that the church is often referred to is the bride of Christ. And this really helps to unlock our understanding of how beautiful the church is. Now, I'm 20. I am 23, so I've been, in, I've been at this church for just under 24 years. It's been amazing. Thank you for being such a wonderful, consistent family. Um, but as I'm about 23, 24, I'm in the season where I have weddings pretty much every weekend of the year, okay? It's crazy. I've got so many suits. Um, last year, I think I went to 10 weddings which is crazy, was heavily involved in many of them, but I'm at the point where weddings are all over the place. I love my friends getting married. It's wonderful, but it's also quite tiring, <laughs> just to say, just to say, and we've got some more coming up, which I'm really excited for, guys. Don't get the wrong message. Um, but there was one wedding here, which a lot of you might have been at for Callum and Divya's wedding, okay? That, and there was one moment amongst that that I remember significantly amongst more than any of the others. Okay, so I want you to imagine this room is as full as it can get. You think it's full this morning? It was way more full at their wedding, okay? That every inch of the floor was covered with people, and every, all of those people were full of expectation. The big moment was coming. I'm not speaking about the dancing for those of you who were there. That's not a moment I want to remember. But there was, everyone was sat down. The aisle was ready. And if you've ever been to a wedding, you'll know that in about, you know, a little bit into the time, Everyone suddenly goes quiet, and everyone's thinking, oh, it's time for the bride to come. It's time for the bride to come. Anyway, this moment had just come at the wedding. Callum and his best man were at the front. All the groomsmen and everyone was in place. All the guests had arrived. No one was too late. And at that moment, it went quiet, and me and Matt walked into the room. And I've never felt less wanted, okay? Because we were not the bride. We were not the bride, okay? And everyone was like, oh, that's a nice moment. And we tried to play it off cool, but I really wanted to just curl up into a ball in the corner and cry a little bit. But we weren't the bride. Now, what's strange is that, obviously, me and Matt were, Matt's at the back, he's floor managing today. We were some of the groomsmen, and Callum loved his groomsmen. That's why he picked them. They're some of his best friends. But the love that Callum has for his groomsmen is different to what he had for Divya, who was his bride. Okay? That's the first thing to say. It's also worth saying that even though we tried our best... I think we all had haircuts, tried to look our best. We were not as beautiful as Callum's bride, Divya. The bride was beautiful amongst everything else. Matt might say differently, but he was not as beautiful as Divya. That's also worth saying. Okay. See, we might think of a bride as something unspoiled, wearing an unspoiled, perfectly white dress, one that is pure, unblemished. And in the moment when the bride walks down, and Divya did walk in in the end, just to assure you, when she walked down, there was nothing else that was shining brighter or more beautiful than as she walked in. That's the point at, in a wedding where everyone goes, Ooh. and even some people who I never thought I'd ever see cry were crying at that moment because it was such a moment of beauty and everything that a wedding represents. You see, the church is also described as the bride of Christ. And this metaphor allows us to unlock a picture of some of the beauty that what we gather is part of. 
there's points at which the church is one of the most beautiful things. And that's when it's framed well in God's love. And that's what I want you to remember as we go through. When it's framed well in God's love, the church can be and is beautiful. And so we're going to unpack a little bit about how it can become beautiful. Sorry, just getting messed up with my paper already. Now, we read in that Ephesians verse that each person within the body has a special gift. We have a role. You are significant within this church. Okay? And I was reading this, I thought, oh, that's helpful, but I wasn't quite sure where my application point was until I started doing some reading. And when the word gift comes up in the Bible, there's actually a few different root words in Greek that help us really unlock the meaning. You see, one of the references to gifts, this is of a spiritual nature, is 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, and it says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So we all have gifts, but they all are different. Importantly, though, the same spirit is the source of them all. So we're all expressing these gifts differently, but the same spirit is the source of them all. And the Greek root word there is charis. Okay? Um, I actually think I might have got the order of my slides messed up. But the Greek word of that is charis. Okay, we'll get into that in a second. The next verse I want to reference is Romans 12, 6, 8. It says, In his grace, he has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach them well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. It is, if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing others kindness, do it gladly. You see, the Greek word there is diakonion. The, the English word linked to that might be deacon. Deacons are people who serve people. And these words are really important for us. Okay, because when we recognize these gifts, when we look at our church and understand the special gifts we've given, these are gifts of grace that should be used to serve one another. So these aren't gifts to make me look good, but they are gifts of grace to serve one another, all people in the body. And when, when we serve using our special gifts, not only are the people we're serving lifted, but we ourselves are lifted and energized. And that's the amazing part of serving one another. See, we also see in Ephesians that the whole body fits together perfectly. And that in each part, when each part does its own special work, we help the others. I want our church, or we should want our church, to be healthy, growing, and full of love, like the verse in Ephesians said. And one of the ways we do that is to serve one another with the gifts God has given us to encourage each other and lift one another up. And what, what's really good about that is when we, do, when we serve to help others, to encourage others, it doesn't bring our own beauty out, but it brings out the beauty of the church and the one person it's centered upon. You see, the beauty of the church is not based upon the beauty of the people that belong there, but rather the beauty of the one person it's centered upon and made a way for the gifts of grace in the first place. That's really important. When we use our gifts, it's not to make us look good, but it's to make Jesus, who is at the center of the church, look beautiful. And that's where the beauty of the church comes from. 
it's good news that the beauty, no offense, that the beauty of the church is not based on you guys. I know some of us have had our hair done, but it's not based on you. It's based on God. It's based on the one we're centered upon. And I want to take a pause here because I've not come on instructions from the leadership team to go, we need someone to just start serving. We're no one's serving in this church. There's something about serving each other that Woodside have got. We are a church that serve one another and support each other so well. Even the Thanksgiving service yesterday that Antonia mentioned, that is an example of serving one another with our gifts, becoming a family. So you guys have got some of this already, but there's always further we can go. Okay, because some of us might be serving an area of church that we've served in for years and years and years, and it's great, and it's life-giving. But some of us might be serving thinking, about 15 years ago when I became a Christian, God, I felt a call. God given me a special gift, and I haven't quite seen that yet. There'll be promises that God gave us about what we'll see and what we'll do that is really important. And I just want, I, I feel this morning that God is going to restore the call of some of those gifts. Because each one of us have a special gift that contributes as significantly as the other. But it's easy to forget some of them when you just go in the daily, daily of life. And church is beautiful. Now, as I said, I'm pleased that the church's beauty isn't based on me, even though I got a haircut as well this week. But inherently, it's a good thing that it's based on none of us. Why? Because we are all sinners. We have all done stuff that is wrong. We have probably all hurt each other, yet we all belong. Okay? We all belong. And that's my second point. The church, when framed well within the love of God, is a place of true belonging. I didn't put on there brackets and family, because I think that's also important as well. Okay? If we deal with what we do wrong properly, repent and come to God, it can become one of the, one of the church's greatest strengths. Because we show that we're a group of imperfect people belonging because of the grace from the one perfect person. And that's different to the world. Sometimes we can almost get into a trap when it's not framed well, that church doesn't seem any different to groups out there in the world, to clubs, to anything that you might do to breed community. The church has to be different and it has to be distinct. And part of that is a true belonging that comes from grace. Okay? I printed the slides way too big on my paper. I'm sorry. Okay? See, John Burke, in his book, No Perfect People, says this. He says, If you interview people in public, few, if any, associate Christianity or the church with anything closely resembling grace. What they feel is law, zero, zero tolerance, judgment, and condemnation. Why doesn't the church utilize its greatest asset? Though the world cannot offer grace, in its absence, it found an inexpensive substitute Tolerance. You see, when the church is under the love of God and framed well within the love of God, we are not just to be a people of tolerance. Because a people of tolerance means we, we kind of accept the person and we're just putting up with what they're doing. That's not what makes the church distinct. That's not what makes the church beautiful or a place of belonging. Instead, we are to be a people that shows the grace that allowed us to belong in the first place. We are only gathered together because of the grace God has given us. And we need to show that to everyone in order to be a true place of belonging, not just tolerate someone's behavior. 
That's not what we want to be. We want to be a people of grace. See, Romans 15, 5 to 7 says this, May God, who gives us patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. So this again is the pattern we see. We come to church, we are a church framed one in God's love. When we accept one another, glory and love is given back to God. Okay, so when the church is framed well within the love of God, it brings back glory to God. It's one big cycle. And I love being a part of a church that is truly a place of belonging and welcome. Because when we show just even a snippet of the welcome that we have received from God, we're showing them, we're leading them to the embrace of the Father that is all-encompassing and uncompromising and grace-filled. And that's what people need. That's what people who are not here, who are lost, they need to feel the embrace of a Father that just encompasses everything they are and says, come to me. That's what people need. You see, I have a confession to make. I'm about to say a story about finding fossils, and I've never found a fossil in my whole life. So if it's inaccurate, please don't ask me about the story. But if I was someone who found fossils, <laughs> bear with me, I, would, I can guarantee that when I found a fossil or something of value, I'd be way, oh, way more overjoyed with the thing I've found, the value it, it inherently has, than the dirt that might be on it. Okay, taking that further, I know that I don't have the knowledge, the precision, or the delicacy I'd need to remove the dirt from that fossil. Instead, and even though I'm not trying to be lazy, I'd probably try and find someone who did know, who knew that, the, that area inherently well, and could do it well. If we take that in the context of people, only God can wash people clean of their sin. I can't, you can't, not even the person next to you can. Rather, what we need to do is take our gifts of grace, accept, that, accept those that God brings to us, serve one another within our God-centered community, and trust that God does the same transformational work he's done in me and you with everyone else that comes to belong. Okay? We're not the one that needs to wash clean. We're just the one that needs to welcome people and bring them to God on their journey. You see, church is meant to be a God-centered community of people who come just as they are, through God's love and grace, but exactly due to that love of grace, love and grace are not left there. Instead, they are going on a journey of growth and transformation towards God together. And that's all of our stories. We are, we are able to come just as we are to God because of his grace, but God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to, us to stay there, but takes us on a journey in transformation to be more like Christ, just as the verse in Ephesians told us the church would be going to become mature. Okay. You see, I don't, I'm not really a fan of New Year's resolutions. Some of my friends, though, are. And one of my friends, they are here today, I won't name names, decided 2024 is going to be the year of running. That's right, people. It's going to be the year of running. And they, were, they bought running shoes. They were ready to go. They were so excited. 
Now, I didn't really want 2024 to be the year of running, okay? But I love friends, and especially based off last week, I have a new kind of like aim to invest in my friendships, spend time with them intentionally well. And it all came to the point last Saturday where someone, this actually was me, said, how fun would it be to run from Clapham, where one of my friends live, to Sharnbrook? What a bad idea that was. That was a terrible, terrible idea, okay? If you, any of you are wondering whether you should run from Clapham to Sharnbrook, just to hear this, just don't do it. It was terrible, okay? I do have a confession, though. It wasn't really running. Because within our group, we had some, really, some evidently really good runners. They had kept it a secret. We all thought we were on the same pace. Some people were very good runners. Some of us were medium, medium runners, you know? That was me. I'm kind of in the middle of the pack. Some of us... They were good walkers, so they did well, okay? And it took us a long, long time. The reason it took all of us a long time, though, is because at the start, we agreed that we'd leave no one behind, okay? We agreed that we would run together because there's more, there was more of a goal than just getting to Schaumburg. If I wanted to just go to Schaumburg, I would have driven. Actually, the two hours and 25 minutes it took, okay, the importance was that we were together, that we were building community, and we were much better friends for walking with each other through the really horrible, dark, 60-mile-per-hour road because someone didn't plan, plan the route quite right. It was crazy, but we were together, and there was a commitment that we're going on this journey together as friends, and we are better for it. Okay? As a church, therefore, we are all on our individual journeys with God. Some of us might have been Christians for years. We might think we're, we know more about God, whether, you, whether that's true or not. Who knows? But some of us might be new Christians, but we're all on a journey together. And being part of one body means that no one finishes before the other. We are going on a journey of transformation together but towards Christ. And that's really important. Okay? It means that when people belong, we don't go, okay, you start back there, we'll wait for you. It's like, come along with us, no matter what their life circumstances are like. It's about showing grace and truth, being people of grace and truth. And the question that some people might ask, is there a point in which we can almost show too much grace and not enough truth, or too much truth and not about grace? Well, just to say, Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to live with and speak grace and truth. But Richard Tan puts it this way in his book. He says, grace without truth is not really grace. Truth without grace is not really truth. Grace without truth pampers. Truth without grace hammers. Grace without truth is love without correction. Truth without grace is correction without love. Grace without truth is mercy without justice. Truth without grace is justice without mercy. Grace without truth is soft and spoils people. Truth without grace is harsh and crushes people. Grace without truth is freedom without responsibility. Truth without grace is responsibility without freedom. Either extremes are neither of Christ or the gospel. John 1, 14 and 16 and 17 says this. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The perfect example of grace and truth, of belonging, is Jesus. And we can show it to some extent, 
But ultimately, for us to be a true place of belonging, we need to understand the aim for anyone who walks in our doors is that they come to Jesus. They come to God and find grace and truth with him, find belonging with him. You see, that's well and good. What happens when you're in the middle of a conversation, it's getting a bit heated, and you're thinking, oh, I need to show grace and truth here. I'm not really sure what this looks like. Well, just to say, all the other verses that have been on the screen, apart from this one, has come from the NLT translation of the Bible. This one, though, has come from the CSB. And that's because it highlights the words grace and truth. If we do look at the NLT version, though, it says something slightly different. It says... So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. When we're trying to work out if our actions are full of grace and truth, we can ask ourselves, does this show unfailing love and faithfulness? It's a really helpful guide to help us understand how we can show God to people that don't yet know him. And I think that will really help us. So that's the second point. We've had the church is beautiful and the church is a place of true belonging. And that's the church I really want us to be. I think it's, it's a wonderful church, but there's always a bit further to go. We can be a place of even more belonging, and we can be an even more beautiful place to be. You see, as I was preparing, it only felt right if we were to highlight the good parts of church, the ways it can be beautiful, the ways it is framed in well in God's love, is to highlight perhaps when church goes a bit wrong. Not only will it help us reflect on the past, even though it's not scenario specific, it will help us look, know what to look out for when we might be going one degree off so we don't end up in something really bad later on. And this will help us work out what the church looks like when framed well in God's love. And just to say, for those of you in here who have had a few bad experiences with church, thank you for being here for the first bit, because sometimes that could be really difficult to hear about the goodness and the gloriousness of church if that hasn't been your experience. So thank you for, for being here this morning and listening. You see, when I was preparing for this talk, a random, this random quote came up on Instagram, and it just was like... Oh. What are the chances this would come up on Instagram? And it says this. When the church is only an event, the sanctuary becomes a theater, the people become the audience, the music becomes the entertainment, and the preaching becomes the keynote. But when the church is the people both gathered and scattered, the sanctuary, people, music and preaching become vehicles for healing, restoring, equipping and sending. Now, I don't think that quote is perfect. I'd like to add something like a God-centered community in the words of church there. But it really helps us to look at the possible dangers of church. The next bit goes on to say is, what is sure is that we won't change our world by merely going to church. We will change it by being the church. See, the church, the one body, isn't just one thing that we see on Sunday morning and the rest of the time we're just Ollie who walks down the street. If we are part of a church that is beautiful and a place to belong, we are all always the church no matter where we are. Okay? And this, this is really important. You see, there's a possible danger that within our walk with God that merely going to church is enough. That Sunday is amazing and we have a great faith on Sunday. And then what happens Monday to Saturday, no one really needs to know. It's, anyone's, it's not anyone's business. And it doesn't even matter what happens here. We leave these doors. Life is the same. There's a danger that 
when the church isn't framed well in God's love, that it breeds a Sunday faith. Perhaps even taking this further, we might end up going for what Hebrews warns us of. In chapter 10, it says this, Let us hold unservingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but are encouraging one another. Let's not give up on meeting together. That's the danger of having a Sunday faith, is that this matters less and less. The church matters so much. It's beautiful. It's a place of belonging and something that can strengthen us. Let's not give up on meeting together. You see, the second point about when church might go a bit wrong is that there's a danger that some people become elevated, become idols, that there's a bit of a celebrity culture that comes around. But what I loved earlier about our discussion is that when the church is beautiful, when we all serve one another with all our special gifts, everyone contributes significantly. It's not the show of one person, but everyone contributes significantly. And one of the things I always wonder about the Bible is how Jesus spoke to so many people without a microphone and a stage and being elevated when we can't even manage it for a room of, what, 200? Unfortunately, with technology, like it, it, I have to be on a stage and I have to have a microphone so everyone can hear me. But that's, this isn't what church is really about. Everyone can contribute significantly. Really, we should be on the same level at the, sa- at the same volume because everyone can contribute significantly. No one in a church that is framed well in God's love should be elevated, idolized, or become a celebrity because it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. It's not about any of us, but we can contribute to God becoming more beautiful and the church becoming more beautiful, and that's really exciting. The last point under when church perhaps goes a bit wrong is... That, unfortunately, heartbreakingly, people can be hurt by leadership teams. Perhaps when people have suffered abuse in a church from people that have been elevated, these are kind of the same point. I have a couple of things to say on this, but just to say, as someone who is part of the leadership of a church, even if you haven't had a bad experience here, I'm so sorry that you have had to experience that when the church truly should be beautiful and a place of belonging. Um, I'm really sorry you've, you've gone through that. It shouldn't be the case. The thing is though, if we look back at that Hebrews verse, is that there is hope. Hebrews asks us to hold unservingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. The one this church is centered upon is faithful. The one that gave you your special gift in the first place is faithful. The one who gave you the promise that you might have forgotten about until this morning is faithful. The one who's been alongside you, the same God who's been alongside you in your bad week is faithful. And we have hope. Because the whole story of the Bible is one of hope and restoration. And this year, I've just been feeling more and more that God is going to restore things that we thought were lost. If you were here a couple of weeks into the new year, 
I know I'm biased, but it was my mum did a great preach, and she spoke about restoration in her life. It might not have looked exactly what she thought it would be, but restoration is coming, and it is from the one God who promised and is faithful. Can we stand together? Is that okay? I feel like we should respond. If a few members of the band can come up, we're just going to have some quiet music in the background just as we respond. Because even in my preparation with this, I really feel God speaking to me about the church, about what I can do to make it more beautiful. But I also feel God has been helping me to reflect on experiences I've had in the past, some that I've heard. And so we're just going to spend a few minutes just responding. It's not going to be front-led for the first bit. We're just going to have some music in the background. I just, I just feel God wants to minister to us individually. Whether it's to reflect on experiences you've had in the past, bring him your hurt, whether it's to pray for a gift you were given many, many years ago but haven't yet seen flourish. I feel God wants to minister to us this morning. So God, we just welcome you. Lord, just as we come to you, whether we're energized or weary, would you just meet with us? You know exactly what we need. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.